Welcome to the Chaos Plan, where the odds may not always be in your favor. Thank you for joining us for another episode of The Chaos Plan. We would like to remind everybody who's listening that if you would like to take part in the game and the show, all you have to do is to join our Patreon account for $1 and you can get into this Chaos Plan game. If you would like more information about the games and why we're running the way that we're running, any of our home rules, or to view our maps or adventure log on what has happened on what days, Go to our website, www.theadventuringguild.com, and at the top menu bar, click on the Chaos Plan, and you can use that drop-down menu to explore all of the different things with the game. The wonderful intro music comes from our very own supporter, Adrian Sanabria, and our in-game music comes from tabletopaudio.com. So thank you guys very, very much, and I hope you enjoy the show. Thank you once again for joining us for another episode of The Chaos Plan. This week, I am with Mountain Rhino, our very own Twitch streamer buddy on the or as part of the guild. He is playing his character, Cherno, and I will let him take it away and talk a little bit about this absolutely ridiculous character that he has created. Hi, it's Mountain Rhino. So, Cherno, I'm super excited. He was on my list of characters I most wanted to play in D&D, and so I messaged Bob and said, I can do this. Cherno is inspired by the Disney film Hercules version of Hades, mixed with Rumpelstiltskin. <laughs> As, yeah, it's going to be good. I figured between the two of them, the schmooziness and the willingness to make deals at any point that are often only in my benefit, I, it was going to be a fun character to play. So though I am technically a lawyer character, I am very clearly lawful neutral. I do not care who gets hurt in my deals. So yeah, the Documaster class is the closest I could find to a Rumpelstiltskin lawyering kind of class. I believe D&D Beyond, yes. And it's very much about making deals, making contracts. It's based on the Cleric class, so I'm going to be a heavily supportive character, but you're going to see a lot of my prep and spell work actually has to be done out of combat before, because it takes time to write up contracts. I do have access to some Cleric spells. And other than that, the big thing you need to know going in is Cherno of Tangors is very much in it for his own benefit. He's going to play it nice, play it friendly, but at the end of the day, it's what can you do for me. So I'm excited to see how it plays with the rest of our Chaos Plan members and see how schmoozy I can get. All right. So, kind of from your backstory and everything with that, you were able to evade kind of, I don't want to say retribution, but um, you kind of ended up taking that job that probably wasn't the best idea for you. And uh, But you were able to eventually make a deal with the dragon that presides over the Fire Isles. And uh, are you keeping that a secret from the rest of the group, or is that going to be kind of a well-known thing? Um, we're keeping it a secret just mostly because that was how I got my entrance into the guild I got into. Okay, that's kind of what I thought. So you made that deal with the dragon and uh, your contact with the Shadows Guild told you to 
uh, gave you a token or a uh, letter of introduction or something along those lines in order to kind of prove that you have, in fact, done a job for the Shadows Guild that would earn you the right to join the ranks. He would send you to Fireport in order to catch a ship and uh, head off to the island of Thalos and Port City to meet with the main guild hall and uh, one of the top leaders or members there in order to receive your assignment and become a full-fledged official member of the Shadows Guild. So where we will start off, I will say we're going to go ahead and start off. You have made your way to Fireport and in one way or another you have managed to set up a connection with a captain or with a passenger vessel, you know, something like that, and you're able to secure passage over to the island of Thalos in Port City. The ship, however, will not depart until tomorrow. So while you are within Fireport, what would you like to do killing kind of a day before you go? Fireport, yeah, Fireport would be a very, I, I don't want to say very stereotypical dwarven city, but think smiths and all sorts of ore mining and gambling halls. And I don't want to make it sound like a really dirty and terrible place, but there are lots of dens for, you know, those that are too drunk or too stoned in order to go home. It's a very dictatorial type rule. And as such, the civilians there kind of take whatever comforts they can in vices of different varieties. So it's not the safest town in the world, but the iron rule of the Dragonborn there kind of keeps everybody in line, for lack of a better term. Well, I guess for context to those who don't know what I look like, check out the portal, though. Um, I'm of, like, grayish, uh, like, blue tint dark skin with the blue flames on Hades on top, because my race is a combination of the chosen Hades as well as Fire Genasi. So, I think I would put on a hood, or if I don't have one already, I get a hood or something just to kind of hide some of that. But though Fire Genasi, I believe, are fairly common in the Fire Isle. Yeah, would, they would be. I'm not sure how many of them are blue flame. Probably not a ton, so I was going to say, you probably would have been able to secure a hood uh, and cloak fairly easily with all the traveling you've done to not, you know, show up in the middle of the night with flaming blue hair. You know, I'm pretty sure you probably would have had a cloak. That's kind of what I figured, too. So I'm I'm not equipped with a lot. I'm going to say one of the first things I'm going to do now that I'm not just at home safe and sound is probably try and get myself some armor. Okay, yeah. Let's see here. Go ahead and roll me a d10 and a percentile die. Okay, that. Just for flavor, I keep using my blue die. Yeah, <laughs> it's fantastic. <laughs> Alright, D- D10 is a 4, percentile is 60. Okay, you see a very stereotypical dwarven smith here, and he is uh, hammering away at what appears to be some sort of very large blade of some variety, something like a great sword or uh, something along those lines, and there are several other Assistance. it looks like, in front of his shop that are trying to peddle his wares to those on the street. Two of them, you notice, have collars uh, on the, around their necks that identify them as slaves that are doing this work, but one of them appears to be in charge of those two slaves. And you notice that the craftsmanship is very, very nice, or is very sturdy uh, and very 
well wrought. There is not a whole lot of imperfections, though this isn't the most beautiful armor you've ever seen. You can definitely tell that it is functional. With your roll of 60, the uh, quality of the merchandise, he has a better than average stock, but nothing super rare or fancy. Well, I'm going to look for something of light armor. I am not I am not a well powerfully built character. Um, you would see me and think uh, maybe this guy should have an extra meal or two. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, you'd be able to find plenty of uh, all variety of armor here. So I'd probably lean to something like a good padded kind of or like leather armor, I guess. Yeah, he would have uh, padded leather and studded leather all available uh, for purchase if you are interested in checking that out. I would definitely take a look. Um, I'd also look to see see how he's treating the people around him. I don't care too much, but I I like to make good deals and I like to manipulate, so I want to see where I have an edge here. Uh, the dwarf is very, very engaged in his work, and uh, he doesn't really look up and pay attention a whole lot to you standing you know, there looking. He's leaving that up to his workers. Uh, the one that is kind of in charge of the slaves definitely seems to be strict, but it, they're not overly abusive. Uh, the slaves that are here would be more along the lines of those who were so far in debt that they are selling a number of months, years, whatever, um, in order for a shop or whatever to pay off that debt. So they're not mistreated, but they're definitely worked probably harder than the average individual would be. Um, you would know that the slaves would not be the ones actually handling the money transactions. They would just be, you know, assisting guests with um, trying different blades, you know, making sure that the armor that has been previously ordered has been updated. So the actual person to talk to in order to purchase anything would be either the blacksmith when he's not busy or that tifling woman that seems to kind of be in charge of the slaves. Well, I won't, you know, annoy a busy dwarf, so we'll go up to the typhling woman, and I'll I'll make my presence known. I'm not going to be, like, you know, help me now kind of deal, but I'm also not going to be subtle that I'm there. Okay, yeah, after um, just a moment or two when she sees that you're not walking away, you know, and actually paying attention to some of the different items that are there, she would come up to you and uh, say... Can I assist you with anything? Yes, I, I'm i going to be heading to Port City soon, and I've heard that, or have I heard that there's dangerous things coming and going? Oh, yeah. No, okay. But I'm heading to Port City soon, and I think I'm going to have a need for armor. What do you have that'll fit me? She kind of gives you the uh, once-over, up-and-down, kind of visually checking measurements and stuff and says, well, that depends on what kind of armor you are interested in purchasing. You don't look like the kind of individual that could really handle some of the heavier stuff as she kind of gestures to the plate, you know, the chain mail, that kind of stuff, she says. But we do have either padded leather, studded leather, uh, depending on how heavy your coin purse is, we could possibly get some dragon scale uh, or glamoured studded leather, depending on what you're in the market for. Uh... <clears throat> Some of that sounds too wealthy for my blood, so I uh, just simple leather armor would probably be fine. Uh, she would pull up uh, about four suits of armor, kind of you know gathering them up and bringing them over, and kind of holds them up one at a time, you know, just kind of seeing visually which one would fit you best. 
and hands one off to you and says, this will probably suit your needs. We sell them for 10 gold pieces, typically. But I can see that you're probably going to need it, so I will knock a whole gold piece off. So only nine gold pieces. I kind of look at my coin purse heavily, just like, uh, is it worth? Uh, and I'll hesitantly hand over eight gold pieces. <laughs> she continues to hold her hand out, looking you square in the eyes, like not backing down at all. <laughs> I had the other gold piece. Don't even mess with it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You, you have seen more emotion on stone walls than you did from this woman. She, after you hand her that last coin, she says, Thank you for your patronage, and hopefully next time you come, you'll be able to find all the gold pieces on the first attempt. Ooh. <laughs> um, um, yeah. She would probably end up seeing, like, a flash of blue and, like, red fire as Cherno kind of doesn't like the way she's talking to him. <laughs> and in her eyes, you see a flash of flame as well. This one dark, deep red of the abyss. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, well, that concludes that. <laughs> I, I'll kind of like simmer down, kind of rub my head a little bit to calm the flames and turn around and walk away. Okay. Uh, we then at that, what, w- what would you like to do then from there? You're able to very easily uh, step away from that shop and they immediately go back to the business that they were conducting. Um, <laughs> don't want to piss off too many people. <laughs> uh, what kind of schmoozing can I do? I guess the first thing to do would find a place. So the ship's leaving like the following day? Correct, yeah. First thing yeah. in the morning they'd be setting out. So I need a place to stay for the night. Correct. I will go and try and well, yeah, I don't really care to, like, live in a hole for the night, so I'm going to go try and find some sort of middle ground in. Okay, yeah, something. you're able to find, uh, would, you, would you try to find something more, quote-unquote, reputable, or would you uh, just find an establishment that looks like it probably is clean enough? A place good enough that I don't expect to be interrupted midnight. Okay. Go this a- is the goal. Yeah, go ahead and roll me a d4. Alrighty. That is four. Okay, you find a inn slash tavern slash everything called the Flaming Flagon. The Flaming Flagon. So as you enter into this establishment, it's probably not the best and most upstanding facility in the world, but they look like they cater mostly to, I don't want to say regulars, but those that are not tourists in Fireport, those that are, you know, here for business or something like that. And uh, you see they have posted right on a board as you enter prices for everything, and they seem to be pretty middle ground. Uh, It would be two silver pieces a night, and that would also get you a mug of ale or mead or wine or whatever, and a modest meal. Uh, You can, of course, go up in price from there, but the prices start at two silver pieces, and it seems clean and decent enough. The large halfling, uh, and large as in horizontal, the very plump halfling uh, innkeeper. I don't know why all my innkeepers end up being plump halflings, but they do. Uh, So the plump halfling uh, innkeeper approaches you and says, Are you here to eat or here to stay? All of the above, my good sir. What do you have for me? We can get you a modest room here for two silver pieces, and that'll get you a a mug of whatever you want to drink and... uh, let me see what's on the menu tonight. Uh, 
So because it's a little bit cooler out today, we have a uh, modest stew. Uh, just don't ask too much about what kind of meat it is. The vegetables are delicious, but uh, uh, you never know what's going to get brought in around here. Uh, as he uh, kind of gestures around, you see a lot of the other patrons or whatever, you know, eating. They It looks like they're enjoying it, but it's probably not the most gourmet thing you've ever seen. Um, but compared to some of the other establishments and people digging through the detritus out in the streets, it's probably better than what you're going to find almost anywhere else. There. So two silver pieces for the night? Correct, yes. I'm like, make it three and give me two glasses and we're done ourselves a deal. He snatches that silver piece out of your hands quicker than you can count and uh, runs back and immediately throws them into a chest on the uh, top of the bar. As you kind of follow him with your eyes, you see that the uh, ale and mead here is only two copper pieces. So <laughs> he, ah. brings you, he brings you uh, two mugs and your meal and a uh, uh, arcane-looking stick or a small wooden hand-sized glyph that will get you into your room. Uh, everything here appears to be locked down with a fairly basic arcane lock spell. All right. So I guess the first thing is... Due to one of my background features, I have an uncanny awareness, and I mark all like when I enter a building. I know how to find them from anywhere, as well as I know how many people are in a room and who might be armed and who to neutralize first in the event of violence. So, what do I see? Wow! Uh, yeah, you see, uh, sitting around the room, there are there are three other individuals of note. Uh, they're the normal locals, you know, that you can see. Pretty much everybody here is carrying a blade. You'd be stupid to walk around anywhere in the city without having some sort of form of uh, defense. But the three that you take note of is there appears to be a large male with a glaive sitting at one table. He appears to be making some sort of business dealings with a an elf, it looks like. a uh, Not a drow, but a darker-skinned elf. You're guessing probably from the mountains. Uh, one of the mountain elves, and they appear to be concluding business as uh, money gets handed over, and that elf, uh, very stereotypically, has a longbow on their back, but also appears to be wielding a very sizable longsword on a, a kind of leaning up against the side of their chair. Uh, it uh, has a bit of a glow to it. And after handing off the money, that elf gets up and walks out as the uh, very large man kind of waves over the bartender, or waves over the innkeeper and gets another mug. The other person in the room that you take note of is a black robe-wearing magic user of some variety, you imagine? Uh, something in the illusion field, as where as when you look over, their face is completely obscured, uh, not necessarily with any, like, you know, pixelated sensor bar or, like, void black anything, but, like, you just can't remember any of their features when you look at them. They just appear to be quote-unquote generic individual. You can't even really place a sex or a race. It's just a person in dark robes. Other than that, uh, the other people in the room, I'm going to say there are eight of them uh, are just regular you know, individuals probably from around town. All of who are armed, but nothing super fancy. Uh, I feel like you know, doing some, some talking, so I'm going to kind of work my way toward the innkeeper. Okay, yeah. And what? I'm going to be like, you, me, see, I thought we could make a good deal, but it looks like you, we've had a disagreement on price for drinks. Well, I poured this from my special stock, uh, you know, because you you are such a generous individual, and he says that 
loud uh, enough that probably, you know, a couple tables around him could easily hear it. Because you're so generous with your coin and helping support my humble inn, I poured from the special stock. Well, seeing as now you put a target on my back, and I don't want to cause you any trouble, and apparently you may want to cause me some trouble, how about I come to a conclusion that'll make us both happy, I leave in the morning, nobody has to have any other problem. We would be more than happy with that arrangement. Feed me, feed my, you know, large friend over there, and make sure we have drinks all night, and no one will hear another word of this. Your large friend, let me see if you noticed that you said that. Yeah, the large friend over there rolled an 18 plus whatever his generic perception score is. Um, so he definitely overheard that um, comment about feeding him. And he raises a mug and says, ah, trying to butter me up already. I like this one. So what do you say? Do we got a deal? And I put out my hand quickly. Okay, he would look over at the big man, look over at the big man's glaive, look over at you and kind of, he, he doesn't curse, but he's definitely grumbling and uh, shakes your hand and heads back to the kitchen to grab another bowl. Well, it looks like there's already three bowls stacked on the your big friend's uh, table there. Perfect. All right. <laughs> so I'm going to grab my drink and move right on over to my new friend I've not actually met. Yeah. <laughs> he, he sits down and he says, So I see you're already trying to get me to lower my prices on escorting you. Uh, I don't know where you want to go, but it has to be one hell of a place if you're already trying to butter me up this much. I just figured I'd pick the biggest guy in here, buy him food, buy him beer, and now that and nobody's going to bother me with my purse. He laughs heartily and says, My name is Kolflud, and I'd be more than happy to take you on, and I'll only charge you 110% of what I usually do. And he laughs and laughs, thinking that's hilarious. How about this? I buy your next three beers and it's only 60%. He slaps you and he says, I haven't met somebody willing to talk up to me like that in a while. I like you. I'll make you a deal. Only 100%. Deal. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So what is your rate? (laughs) My rate, that depends on how many days you're going to need my assistance for. It's a rate of, uh, let me, roll me a percentile die. Okay. Trying to run away. Um, 84. 84. Okay, moderate. So I'm going to say it's, uh, we'll go with five silver pieces a day is what he charges. Yeah, I'll happily take the deal. All right, so where are we off to? Port City. Oh, damn. Had you told me that, uh, well, I'm actually going to be heading out that way anyway, so I'll make you a deal. If you pay my voyage across... I'll escort you the rest of the way. Would I know how much the voyage is going to cost? Your fee has already been paid for by the Shadows Guild. So that seems like a good deal then. Okay, you guys shake on it then. And what all do you want to ask him about or talk to him about? Good question. So, Cherno's not really been an adventurer before, mostly kind of looking at books and stuff. Um, I guess I'd first just kind of get him talking. Just... Tell me about yourself. What brings you here? What's the best thing you've ever played with that glaive? Okay. He really, once you, you know, mention what you, what it was the best thing you've ever, you know, slain with the glaive, he really kind of scratches his chin and looks over at it and looks up in the air, and you can tell that there's some really deep thinking going on here. This is probably a subject that he is extremely passionate about, and uh, 
he uh, says, well, I uh, half I had my legs half frozen in stone and managed to split the skull of a basilisk. I think that's probably my my best kill that I've gotten thus far. Really, that's the best. I, a man like you, I'm sure you've done better. And obviously you haven't been face-to-face with one of the basilisks here on the Fire Isles. I agree, the ones that you find up in the mountains and whatnot elsewhere are, are small compared to these creatures, but I've seen one that nearly froze a dragon wormling in place. And I, like, look, <laughs> I can roll deception of this, but I look, like, completely surprised and bewildered. Though I guess I would be partially, because my guys have been pretty small school, like, little villages and stuff in the past. Yeah. And you would know that basilisks here on the Fire Isle are a much bigger threat than they are kind of elsewhere. Um, So it wouldn't... That would be a fairly decent accomplishment. That would be something that, uh, you know, somebody around level 6 to 8 would be able to accomplish, you know, with a you know, medium difficulty. So, alright. And I'll just, like, kind of slap the table like, wow, like, okay. And so why the glade? Like, why? what made you choose that? This here is Maverly, and she is my pride and joy. I won her in a bet against one of the greatest fighters in the Fighters Guild. And if you want, you can tell he's a little bit sloshed at this point. So if you want, go ahead and roll an insight check as he's describing all about Maverly and his adventures with this glaive. All right. Use the fancy metal that. Ooh, um... Insight would be oops, uh, 15. Alright, you can definitely tell that he's embellishing this just a little bit, but it's probably got enough truth to it to be halfway, you know, you can count on the story about half as much. So he probably ended up getting it from some powerful fighter or whatever, but probably not the most powerful in the Fighters Guild, you know. And uh, half of his exploits are anatomically impossible to do with a glaive on some of the creatures that he's slain. But, you know, for the most part, it's probably a plus-something weapon, maybe has a magical effect or two on it. Um, You're judging probably a rare enough item that it would have a name of some variety. Probably not Maverly, but possibly Maverly. (laughs) Exactly, yes. Uh, So I'll be like, so headed off to Port City to find your other love, you know, aside from Maverly? I need to get back to the Fighters Guild. I haven't paid my dues in long enough. I'm pretty sure they're going to... They might even take a hit out with me with that damn Shadow Skill. <laughs> and I'll chuckle pretty heartily at that. Okay. Um, since you are a documancer and it's technically a cleric, would you have any holy symbols out? Uh, no. Actually, first question to you, then. Just kind of context-wise. Uh-huh. Um, I guess I forgot that. Do I have documancer, I guess... Um, class already then. Oh yeah, yeah, you would already be a documancer. We're starting with level 3, so you already have all your basic stuff, you know, your magic and that kind of stuff. You would already have access to that, you just wouldn't be quote-unquote well-known for it. You would be kind of like a better-than-average town guard as opposed to a hero. Okay. Because, yeah, like, one thing the documentary class doesn't go into is, like, in the documentary domain, what would your holy symbol be? So I'm going to assume that's just like a seal. Like a, you know, office of the whatever seal. Yeah, probably. Um, you may worship, you know, one of the gods of knowledge or something like that, maybe, but not necessarily required to do so. What would their, you know, holy symbol be? Uh, gods of knowledge would be, like, the scroll or a book or 
Um, something along those lines, maybe a... Uh, yeah, I'd say either like a scroll or an open book probably would be the holy symbol. We'll say I have one of a scroll then. Okay, he would. Uh, would you have it out and uh, presented, or uh, would you um, kind of keep it tucked behind, beneath your armor or something like that? I'd have it out because I don't see any reason why I wouldn't. I don't think I know of any reason people have against you know domain of knowledge. Yeah, that would be a very neutral domain. Uh, neutral in the uh, civilized side as opposed to the primal nature side. But, uh, yeah, so you would... Uh, he would take note of your holy symbol and say, I'm assuming you're on your way on some pilgrimage to the temples, it looks like. Of a sort, I'll say. Just completely, like, smoothly. Okay. I've never been much on reading, but I do do like reading accounts of some of the other heroes out there, you know. Some that wish they lived up to my legend. <laughs> I'm guessing I only sort of believe him. <laughs> oh, yeah, he's sloshed at this point. I mean, he you have already counted, you know, four plates of food in front of him. And if he was stacking mugs of ale, you know, they would probably run out of cups in this bar or in this inn before they uh, ran out or before he was done drinking. So he's definitely well into his cups. I'm like, and you, religious man? Or just religious in the way of looking for a good fight? I find religion at the bottom of this ale. <laughs> of course he does. Go, All ahead, right. <laughs> go ahead and roll me a religion check, actually. Okay, let's see what that says. Uh, <laughs> not, not much. That's a seven? A seven. <laughs> You're pretty sure there's a deity dedicated to booze, but you can't recall the name off the top of your head. Dionysus? Oh. <laughs> that would be one of them, yes. Uh, so, yeah, um, I will partially believe him. <laughs> okay. I'm just going to make a note of that in my journal. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. All right, at this point, he would uh, finish chuckling to himself a little bit and say, uh, All right, I, I'll be back in just a little bit. I don't think that I can do anything in here, and or I don't think I can make another mess in here before before I get kicked out for the last time. So, I will meet you back here in the morning-ish sometime. <laughs> and I'll just kind of wave him off uh, with a flick of kind of like smoke in my hand as well. Okay. And that's that. Alright, he would stumble out the door and uh, you you notice that he doesn't even make it three three steps past the, the door before he's already you know, leaning over uh, you know, kind of praying to the ground, for lack of a better term. Been there, done that. All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. At this point, it would be getting on into the evening time. Uh, he was definitely day drinking. He'd been there since noon. But um, there would be enough time in the evening that you could hit maybe another shop or, you know, do some more wandering around if you wanted to. Otherwise, you're welcome to retire to your room and wake up the next morning. Um, I would go check out my room just to kind of get a feel for it first. Okay, yeah, you walk up in that little stick sigil thing that he gave you. Uh, once you get near the door, it uh, kind of like a key fob, it unlocks the door with an audible click, and you're able to enter in. Uh, it's a very standard room uh, they would have. Uh, the Oh, okay, this one's a little bit nicer. So the uh, mattress that you're sleeping on is an actual mattress. Uh, not necessarily the best cloth, but probably something like burlap or whatever. Uh, stuffed with down or feathers, something along those lines. And uh, it does have a small chamber pot and a wash basin there. 
and that would be basically it. It would be a fairly small room. Let's go 10 by 5, kind of like a hallway almost, and they're pretty packed. Uh, You can tell by the sigil on the door that either the innkeeper or one of his relatives or something like that is a magic user of some note, not necessarily a super strong one, but has at least some magical ability. Um, because I'm a little excited, having listened to all of the Chaos Blind episodes, to get to Port City, I'm probably... I'll say I'll take a small wander around and then come back. Alright, yeah, as you wander through the streets, since it's evening time, the halls of gambling, the uh, houses of ill repute, the different bars, the other places uh, around here of less than good alignment are definitely busy and the streets are fairly packed with those that are drunk and trying to escape the realities of their lives wander about. Uh, after you finish wandering, you... Uh, Before I get back, I have a quick question. Yes. Is there... Because you had us write a bunch of stuff in our backstory, oh, yeah. is there an opportunity for me to just make one Dragonborn day, not someone already down on the luck, but like the guard or anything, just makes a day a little worse without it actually coming back to bite me? Yeah, you see that there is a uh, town guard that is attempting to break up a fight between four extremely drunk individuals. Um, you thought your your friend Colflude was uh, drunk, but these guys take that to a whole new level, and they are belligerently swinging fists around as this one town guard is extremely distracted and attempting to end this fight. And you would see that he is a dragon. Oh, what can I do? Okay, you see, uh, leaning up against uh, one of the buildings, they're kind of in an alleyway almost, leaning up against uh, one of the buildings appears to be a, uh, like a large rack of lumber or, you know, things like that. They're kind of precariously leaning. You see, situated on a windowsill kind of above him is uh, what appears to be a chamber pot or something. Uh, Looked like somebody was about to dump it, but then they saw the fight and the people below and decided to just leave it there. Um, you would see that there is a, another bar just right around the corner, and it looks like the people inside are very rowdy and loud, all um, of humanoid races, but not like dragonborns. So there's probably some a little bit of hatred because the dragonborns kind of are in charge of this area, um, and uh, all those people are super loud and drunk. I'm just going to, as I kind of walk over there, just because I have, I believe, thaumaturgy as a first-level spelling use, or is, no, that's a cantrip. Yeah. I don't have it. Um, I'm just going to just quiet, like, as I'm kind of walking over there, point and be like, point to the guard and be like, I heard that guy just took the last beer. Okay. You see the drunken individuals there kind of cross-eyed and swing. They, what? The dragonborn are after a beer? And they run out the door and uh, tackle this dragonborn to the ground. Alright, I will hang out. I guess like they're all stealth, just like hide in the corner a little bit. Yeah, go ahead. If you're trying to stealth from the guard, you'll have advantage because he is extremely distracted at this point. I, I'm I'm going to try and use my misty step. Ooh, yeah. Move to another corner, like in a puff of like very animated smoke kind of deal, and more or less just wait to make sure. Like I'm going to make sure the guard doesn't die. I have spare the dying as my cantrip. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to make sure I didn't lead to his death, but otherwise, a lot of them have one coming. Yeah, he is he is more tender than ground beef at this point. You know, steak to ground beef terms, he is very, very tenderized. <laughs> but um, other than that, he is uh, still breathing, 
if not completely unconscious. Alright. I'm okay with that. <laughs> back to the end. <laughs> okay. You wander back to the end, and uh, nothing really of note happens. Um, you definitely feel the uh, weight of karma. <laughs> um, you get <laughs> back to bad. the end with, yeah. <laughs> You get back to the inn without a problem, uh, and you're able to go upstairs. The uh, patrons at the bar, that strange black-robed individual, uh, seems to have disappeared. And there's only one or two individuals left in the inn that appear to be locals that are just chit-chatting with the innkeeper while they're all three, you know, the innkeeper included, are drinking all together. Perfect. All right. So then I will give a knowing glance towards the innkeeper and then just kind of work my way up the stairs. All right. You get up to your room. Are you going to kind of sleep lightly, you know, to keep an eye on things? Or are you going to try and drag something up and put it in front of the door to barricade it? Or what are you going to do? Oh, to have an alarm spell. Um, oh, uh, give me half a second. Okay. Hmm. No, I don't have anything that can really defend me too much. Um, I guess I'm going to make sure I've got a defense contract prepared. Okay. Which is... It automatically activates whenever an opponent attack, an opponent's attack on you is declared. A copy of this contract appears in front of him or her with a quill. It basically states that the attacker understands and agrees with the possibility that he or she can be harmed by the, taking this defensive action. And then they have to choose if they're going to sign it or not. So I'll make sure I have one ready to go. It takes about an hour to write. So if I hadn't written, hadn't had one prepped already, I'll have one now. Okay, yeah, I'd say you probably wouldn't have left home without having, you know an oh shit just in case you're ready to go so I'd say yeah you're able to you know set your quill and pen right next to your bed and unfurl the scroll just in case and uh call Perfect. it at night yep and that'll be it alright see here yep nothing happens in the night and you are easily able to wake up in the morning as the ringing of hammers from the smiths nearby and the bustle of the uh, people outdoors wakes you very early in the morning just as the sun is beginning to rise. Alright. Um, yeah, I'll make sure I've got so just as that's kind of doing that, I'll make sure I've got a defense contract ready to go, as well as a healing, a couple, we'll say a few defense contracts and a few healing contracts. Okay. Or the healing contract, I guess I ha- I'll have one. It takes a day to write that. Or no, it lasts for a day. It does not take a day. So each morning I can choose a person. So I'm going to write that one out for uh, Flood. Okay. So, he's gonna have one show up to him, I think, as soon as we meet. Uh, but that's just the way that works. So. Okay, yeah, you, uh, head downstairs, and you see that Fluid is, uh, sitting at the same table that he was the other day. It seems to have already started with a mug of ale, uh, and, uh, is chowing down on whatever the innkeeper happens to be serving. Perfect. So, I'm going to, I guess, sit down with him. And look at the innkeeper. I want to give him a look kind of like I'm expecting him to serve me without me paying and see how it goes. He kind of scratches his nose and looks down at the bar and looks up and looks at Colflude and and grumblingly, he will bring you only half of the normal breakfast portion and uh, (laughs) uh, a mug of ale that looks a lot paler than what your friend has. Oh, okay, so I'm gonna, like, raise my mug up to Coke Blue and be like, Good morning! The beer this mo- like, the ale this morning just seems weak, don't you agree? And I'll, like, hand it to him to, like, try a sip. He, he snorts and says, No, that means he's pissed off at you. He adds some water to it. 
<laughs> well, that's fine. <laughs> and I'll drink it anyway. It's more hydrating. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Kill the hangover by mixing water in. Um, that, that just seems like a good business practice, honestly. <laughs> yeah. All right. So you're able to eat, and uh, you get all the contracts figured out that you need to. And uh, he says, all right, I'm ready to go. Is there anywhere you need to stop before we head out? Uh, I just need to grab a few more, uh, a bit more parchment, some ink, and a couple extra quills. Okay, yeah, as you leave the inn, you stop by one of the shops, you're able to pick that up um, without a problem. Uh, I'm assuming, We'll just go ahead and say that it's part of your uh, background stuff, because I don't want you to have to spend too much money on stuff Perfect. that you should technically already have. So you... Yeah, uh, yeah. there you go. Yeah, you're able to get the parchment, the ink, the extra ink well, a couple more quill pens, and you... Uh, Head on down to the docks. Awesome. All right. So as you get closer to the docks, uh, you see Colflude kind of, he doesn't really have Maverly sheathed since it's a glaive, but takes Maverly off of his back and kind of slows his walk just a little bit, saying, I'm not getting a good feeling about this. Because you notice all, all of a sudden around you that the streets are a lot more deserted than what you normally expect. Alright, I'm going to use that lovely uh, feature, I guess, and so any exits I need to be uh, notes and how many people are around, etc. What's the radius? Uh, it does. It just says in a room, so I don't know if it would work here. Uh, not really. With the street being empty as it is, you see that there are lots of alleyways and, and dark, you know, open shutters around you, but you don't see anything super noteworthy as far, or sense anything super noteworthy as far as people. Um, you do sense that there's, you know, stray cats and that kind of stuff nearby, but nothing, no people. Okay. Cold Fluid continues to slow his walk just a little bit, and after getting kind of in the middle of a crossroads type area, so you can see down both alleys, he uh, tells you to get ready, uh, and he shouts out, all right, I know that you're there, come on out. Okay, and I prepare, like, kind of get myself in a ready state. Um, am I gonna... I'll prep a sacred flame. Alright. You see in a very stereotypical martial arts movie, he spins his glaive several times before, you know, dropping it down ready in front of him. And four individuals uh, appear out of doorways. Well, three individuals appear out of doorways, and you see one in kind of a second-story window uh, with a crossbow kind of lined up with you guys. And they uh, come out and they say, So, I uh, think that your friend over there, and they nod towards you, has a little bit of a secret that we need to liberate from him. Can I roll an insight on that? Yeah, go ahead. I want to know what kind of secret they're looking for. And then also roll me a perception check. That's super awkward. Okay. Well, the insight is a one. Not one. Oh, no. Okay. <laughs> And the perception uh, is a nine. A nine. You yeah. are able to see, kind of not pinned, because I, I hate saying pinned on their lapels, but basically that's what it is, a patch or something like that that identifies them as the uh, dragon slayers, those that are against the dragoons, the order that is against the red dragon. They uh, identify themselves, or they you're not sure about their intentions, so this is kind of out of nowhere. You have no idea what Cole Flood is doing, and you're just trying to get a sense of what's going on, so you can't really get the intention, but you do um, recognize that they have that patch 
as uh, the dragoons, who you would know are 100% against that dragon that is kind of ruling this land. Can I tell which one's the leader? Like, kind of running these guys. Yeah, the one that's talking, uh, standing directly in front of you. He appears to be a little bit scrawnier, um, but he's he looks like not, not so much scrawny as, like, whipcord. You can tell that he's probably extremely fast and uh, agile. Okay, so I'm immediately just going to have to put my head up be like, friends, 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 like, there's no reason for uh, anybody to, you know, pull out weapons here. Like, we can just talk. Let's, let's sit down and have an ale. Talk this out quickly. All right. He spits to the ground and he says, we'll see how guilty you are after we've dealt with you. We won't kill you outright and we'll get out of, out of your hair if you are, in fact, innocent. Go ahead and roll me initiative as you see them all draw blades. I was worried you were going to say that. <laughs> oh, um, damn. Cole Flute got a nat 20, so he's going to be going first. The dude was ready. Let's face it. He was prepared. Yeah. All right. I got a 15. All right. And they rolled a 17. So it will go Cole Flute, the enemies, and then uh, you, Chen. <laughs> yes. All right. So Cole Flute starts off by swinging that... Um, large glaive around one more time and shouting at the lead guy to uh, come at him. And he that is his bonus action. And so they need to make a, or that creature, so the lead guy needs to make a saving throw against his DC or, uh, and he has on a fail, the uh, enemy has disadvantage on any attacks against a target other than him. So, that failed with a, oh wait, no, it's charisma. Uh, Oh, yeah, that still fails. So uh, the lead guy basically has been taunted by Cole Flute, and that was his bonus action. So Cole Flute is then going to charge forward and slash down at the leader. Perfect. Oh, damn. Uh, that nat 20 was kind of the only good roll I'm going to get with that. That was a 5 plus 4, so that does not hit his AC. Uh, the little guy is able to dodge out of the way of that sweeping blow down. We then move on to the enemies. The lead little bastard is going to attack Cole Flood, having seen him, uh, or having been attacked by him. And that will miss. Cole Flood has a high enough AC that a 13 does not hit. One of the guys next to him pulls out a long sword, or had a long sword out, as well as the guy next to him, and both try to strike at Cole Flood. One of those will get through, and one of them will miss. So with the uh, shaft of his glaive, he is able to block one of those strikes of the longsword, but since his guard was up, the other one strikes low and is able to get through his defense and deals eight points of damage to Cole Flood. Uh, The one in the window, though, has got his crossbow trained right on you, and Cherno, he is going to release an arrow or a bolt at you. Uh, That was 13 to hit. That hit. All right. It deals to you... Two points, of, or three points of damage, but I need a constitution saving throw against poison. Nine. I take it I am poison. Uh, no, it does poison damage, not poison. Oh. Uh, so you take two points of poison damage. All right. All right, we then move on to you, Cherno. I am going to... Um, oh, no, I activate automatic when an opponent's attack and you is declared that, my defense contract is going to activate. Oh, okay. Uh, so, before I take my damage, I guess, uh, basically, yeah, like I said, they can choose to sign it as an action with a quill and continue the attack next round, or suffer the consequences. 
So a piece of paper just floated up as he's going, the size he's going to hit near the crossbow. Okay. And a piece of parchment just shows up in front of his face. Okay, and he has to sign it, you said, as an action? If the target chooses, so that as an yeah, action, he can either sign it or ignore it and try and attack me anyways. Okay, uh, and what happens if he signs it? He signs it, uh, minus two to hit on all attacks for the remainder of the battle because of the floating contract in front of his face. If he chooses to ignore it, uh, all physical attacks and spells cast towards me fizzle out for the round. Okay, he will uh, try to ignore it, so then it is ignored for the round, correct? Yeah. Okay, so uh, as he's trying to you know, swat this, this parchment out of his face, uh, his crossbow bolt goes off in the air and fires off into... Uh, it slams into a building behind you guys, completely missing. Or three. All right, we then move on to uh, Cole Flood. Cole Flood is going to go ahead and... Oh, sorry, that wasn't my action. Oh, that was his action. That's right. Sorry. No worries. Uh, my action, I'm going to uh, tear up a weapon contract. Oh, okay. So it requires concentration. You tear up a weapon contract and do... Uh, specific incant- incantation, you summon the weapon as an animated object. Ooh. Your weapon appears with a small puff of smoke and flies towards the nearest enemy and starts attacking. It uses base stats only, so it only and has bonuses if the weapon itself has. Oh, I think I have to own the weapon. Well, I'll let you tell me. So it says your weapon appears with a small puff of smoke and flies towards the nearest enemy and starts attacking. No, I'd say that it's completely. It's like a uh, uh, magic weapon or whatever. It just appears out of nowhere, so you can name the weapon and everything. So, just because of, uh, inspired by, what is it, not Macy, I want to call it Macy, um, Maverly, I'm going to summon a glaive. Okay, yes, a glaive. This one, though, uh, has what appears to be blue flames along the, uh, outside of the blade, poofs into existence. It gets a plus one to hit and damage for every three levels, so plus one for my one, I'm level three. Okay. And it stays active until all enemies are vanquished, or three rounds, plus one for two documents. Document level, so I have it for four rounds. Okay, uh, and, and as I, far as which enemy, one of the two longsword guys would be on either side of Colflude, and then the uh, main guy is in front of him. So probably one of the two longsword guys. I'll let you choose which. Uh, whichever one. Uh, I don't care which. Okay, oh. I'll go ahead and say it goes flies to the right. Perfect. Um, and that uses my move. I can use my move action to direct it to a different target. And it, but if I am more than thirty feet from the weapon, the spell ends. Okay, yeah, this would be within, like, 10 feet or so. It would be really close. So I'm going to use that to try and uh, use it to attack. All right, and the glaive is, of course, a d10. Sweet. That's so much more powerful than anything else I can wield. Yeah. <laughs> um, whew, that's only a three to hit. Uh, no. Or, oh, wait, I have to roll to hit. That was a three. I rolled damage before I rolled to hit. <laughs> um, 16 to hit. Fifteen, yeah, that will very easily cut through his hide armor. Perfect, and then it was three damage. Okay. He is uh, not looking great, uh, not bloody, but getting close to it. Perfect. Um, and I'm going to... This is says that you, my, my, you can use the move action to direct it to a different target, but I haven't done that. So I'm going to kind of move back five feet. Okay, yeah, you're able to put a little bit of distance between you and the fighters. Cool. All right, we then move on to Cole Flood, and Cole Flood is going to shout out the name of Maverly 
and all three of them need to give me a, or all three of the enemies need to give me a uh, strength saving throw. Uh, one pass, so I'm going to say the lead guy uh, passed while the other two longsword guys fa- Oh no, because the one is engaged with you. So I'm going to say the one that is engaged with your weapon it succeeds against the save. The lead guy and the other guy are shot back ten feet. So they are uh, pushed back with that strike. And they each take five. Wow, I rolled almost max. Five points of damage each. Uh, we then move on to the enemy. Oh, uh, Colflu. No, he doesn't have a bonus action. Uh, he used that glaive strike thing as his action. So uh, we then move on to the enemies. So the lead guy jumps forward again and strikes at Colflu. This time striking him, managing to get through by one extra point, and uh, deals to him. Only four points of damage. Cole Flute is still doing all right. Not great, but um, he's not quite to bloodied yet. The other longsword guy that is below bloodied is going to do the exact same thing. And now they have flanking. And that will get through as well and deals to him six points of damage. Oh, plus modifier. So he's now at bloodied officially. And the other longsword guy, can he attack your weapon? Um... I guess so. If it doesn't have an AC or health, then... It does not. Okay, then he would not be able to attack it. So he's going to take the dodge action instead. So all attacks against him have uh, disadvantage. Okay. And then the crossbow guy is going to once again shoot at you, Cherno. Okay, he has a minus two to hit. All right. (laughs) That would make it an eight. (laughs) Yes! (laughs) All right. We then move on to your Cherno. Alright, I'm going to continue attacking with the glaive. Which one? So the one that attacked it was, is not bloody. No, he is not. He's only down three points. I'll do it at the first of the main guy. Okay, so you're going to then uh, shift the target? Yeah. Alright, it zooms over towards the main guy, and go ahead and make your attack. Alright, come on. Hit him. Ooh, uh, 18 to hit. Yes, very easily. Alright, 10. That is 6 damage. All right, he is below bloodied at this point, um, but still standing. Perfect, and that's my move. Okay. Anything as a bonus action or anything? Nope. All right, back on to Cole Flood. Cole Flood is going to uh, kind of nod down a little bit, uh, acknowledging your assistance with that, and he is going to strike at... Oh, go ahead and roll again to see if you uh, print on that, because you would have flank. Oh, sure. That guy. Uh, nope. Okay. <laughs> then uh, Cole Flute is going to strike, and he has advantage for the planking, and does not crit either, but still breaks that AC. So that is going to deal. Ha! Max damage. So that is 15 points of damage and more than enough to drop the leader to the ground. He catches him right in the uh, collarbone and just basically cleaves one shoulder clear from the man as he falls to the ground. Uh, that is everything for his turn. He lets out a war cry, of course, in victory, and then we move on to the enemies again. The one longsword guy that was taking the dodge action is going to go ahead and charge up to Col- Oh, go to charge up to you now that you're open. And that's going to hit with a 13 plus 3. Oh, yeah. And deal to you five points of slashing damage. All right. And then... Uh, the other longsword guy is going to attack Colflude. He no longer has flanking, so that will definitely miss with a 5-plus modifier. And then the uh, 
crossbow guy is going to line up another shot with you. That's going to hit with an 18. Oh, minus two, so then that would be 16 total. Still hits, though. Still hit. And deals to you four points of damage, and I need a constitution save. Okay. Come on. Better saving throw than last time. Uh, 15. All right. That is more than enough. You uh, feel a burn where that bolt uh, grazed the side of your arm, but you're able to just kind of wipe it off and uh, keep on fighting through. Okay. We then move on to Cher- uh, to you, Cherno. All right. How far away would the guy with the crossbow be from me and my weapon? Yeah, he would be up in the air uh, on the second floor. So we're going to say about 10 feet up, and we'll go with about 15 feet to the window. So with the diagonal, roughly about 20, 25 feet. Perfect. Um, I will move so that I am within 30 feet of him. Okay. So I don't think I have to move forward too much. No, you could stand right where you are. Uh, if you move, you're going to take an opportunity attack again uh, from one of the guys there. I have to. I will chill touch him. Oh, okay. Go ahead, and uh, that's an attack roll, correct? Yep. Okay. Uh, on a, yeah, making a range spell attack. All right. See what you get. Oh, no, not one. As your yep. spectral hand uh, begins to form in front of your actual hand to attack him, he is able to kind of smack your arm out of the way with the flat of his blade, causing you to lose concentration on that spell that you were trying to cast. Oh, concentration. I forgot. I gotta roll to see if I oh, maintain crap, yeah. my blade now that I'm taking damage. Crap. Um, it's half or uh, it, 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 10 or half of the damage taken. Okay, half of the damage. is. So do I just roll and I have to see if it's over that? Yes, and it's uh, right. constitution. Constitution. <laughs> yeah, the special... It's a good thing I was trying to use something other than the special blade, because that definitely fizzled out. Okay. Um... Not called special blade, but it's what it is. Yeah. Um, yeah. So good thing I tried to do that because I lost concentration. Okay. Fairly new to using those. Uh. So yeah. I tried to do a chill touch, and that didn't work. So that is my whole turn. <laughs> okay. We then move on to Colflude. Colflude is uh, bloody, but still fighting on. So he is going to swipe at the uh, guy that's standing next to him, who is also bloody, and that's still going to hit and deals. Eight points of damage, and that is enough to take out the second one. Uh, he shouts over at you and says, I need a potion! So you're on your own for a turn, or you're on your own for a second, as uh, you see him reach down for one of his pouches. Uh, we then move on to the enemies. With all the foes around Colflude dispatched, the two are going to attack you again. That's definitely going to miss with a seven naturally. And then the crossbowman, uh, 11. Was that with the minus two to hit? Yes. Yeah, I have an AC of 11. It is. Okay. And deals to you three points of damage, minimum, and I need a constitution saving throw again. Um, 12. 12. You are able to pass. You only needed a 10. Sorry. Once again, that burn uh, begins on your wound, but you're not able to, or, but you're able to resist the effects of that. Okay. On to you, Cherno. There's just the crossbowman in the window and the uh, one longsword guy that attacked you. What would you say is the range of everybody if I were to do a radius spell? Uh, you would catch everybody. Uh, like I said, the farthest guy would be about 25 feet in the air. Uh, I mean, on the second floor. But Colflude is within 15, and the other guy is right next to you. Okay, I'm going to risk the attack of opportunity. Okay. To move five feet closer to the guy in the window, so that if I use a spell that does a 20-foot radius here, 
then I should be able to catch everybody. Okay, and you can actually just scoot around him. You don't actually leave his attack radius. So you would not take the opportunity. And then I'm going to cast Calm Emotion. Oh, uh, no, that only works against targets that are not actively hostile. I didn't realize that. Yep, I've caught crap crap for that before. Crap, that was my big, big move here. (laughs) All right, in which case, I'll just do, I'm not within range to do a touch. Uh, Code Blue, so... Just think there's a limit on how many I can use Chill Touch. Uh, it's Cantrip, so unlimited number. Cool, and just because it was Rachel, some of my Rachel and have limits on the day, per day. Oh, gotcha. So, yeah, I'll try and do a Chill Touch on the guy in the window again. Okay. Um, that's a 12 plus my intelligence modifiers plus 2, plus, so 14, 15 to hit? 15 for- definitely hits, yes. Cool. I am going to look at damage on Chill Touch. I didn't even look. Uh, a D8. And for flavor, it appears like within a blue and kind of wispy, uh, like blue flame and like smoke wisps around a skeletal pad. Okay. Alright, and my D8. There you are. That is four. Damn. Oh, it's just straight four. Or do I add my intelligence modifier? No, unless it says you do, you it's just straight damage. And yeah, that was against damage. the guy next to you or the guy in the window? Uh, the guy in the window. Okay. He is uh, still standing, but is uh, one point off of bloody. Okay. He did. And so he now has that blue flame skeletal hand just holding him. Okay. Yes, it is gripped around his... Uh, no, I like the idea. It's like that, that claw hand looking thing trying to burrow into his chest. Yeah. Deal. All right. We then move on to Colflude. Colflude then pops the cap on a potion and tosses it back and regains six points of health. Oh, no, plus two, so eight points of health. And then he uh, charges up towards uh, you, so now you would have planking against the guy in front of you. Perfect. We then move on to them. He is going to odds or evens. That's odds, so he's going to go ahead and attack uh, Colflude. And that will hit with a 15 plus modifier. Uh, no, wait, only plus two. So that is one point off of what he needed. And then, oh no, plus proficiency, plus, plus four. So that does hit and deals to him. Ouch, eight total points of damage, putting him exactly back to where he was. And then uh, the guy with the crossbow is going to shoot at you. Now super distracted. <laughs> and that's a three, so that I rolled, so that's kind of an unnatural one. <laughs> Perfect. On then to you, Cherno. I'm going to do Cure Wounds on Coflood. Uh, okay. And so, usual D8 plus my spellcasting ability modifier, plus he has a 50% extra health because of the healing contract I wrote that morning. Woohoo! Yeah. So, um, oh, I don't even have to do like a touch attack or anything, it's just do a D8. Cool. Yeah. Oh, and that was an 8, so he gets 12, plus, what's my spellcast modifier on that? Uh, Charisma, so he gets 14 health. Okay. Or no, 12 health, sorry. 12, alright, that is almost enough to take him, well, not quite enough to take him up to full, but he is now below bloodied by quite a ways. And actually, yeah, so, sorry, co-polluted got 14 health. 14, eight okay. Plus 4, plus 2. Even better. He's only down 6 health points then. Perfect. All right. Um, that's my turn. Yeah. Okay, back to Cole Flood. He uh, uh, gives you an appreciative nod and swings Maverly once again, but this time you can see that he is definitely channeling something into this swing a bit stronger than what would be normal. 
Ah, yeah, that'll definitely hit 18-plus modifier. And deals to him as it begins to glow with a kind of a... uh, Not really a... It's an extra physical damage, so I'm just going to say he swings it down even heavier. You can see the veins on his arms pop and bulge. And, oh, wow, that was a percentile die. Uh, 66 points of damage. (laughs) That would have been fantastic. Uh, Okay, that's still more than enough to drop him with 12 points of total damage. So the enemy next to you falls to the ground in a bloody heap. There's just the one in the window, and it is his turn. He is going to go ahead and duck and run. So he cuts out of there and disappears into the building. It is on to your turn. All right, I am not going to let him get away with that. Can I misty step that to him? Or yeah. 30 feet into the window? Yeah, you're able to uh, get up into the window. So you misty step up into there right as you see a figure dash into the hallway at the end of the door. Or, you know, at the end of the room, there's a hallway there. He dashes through. All right, I, I'm sure that you're going to apply it. Sorry, there's definitely a puppy chewing a squeak toy inside me. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. I can, to- um, I can totally see that there's a puppy in there chewing on a squeaky toy. That's hilarious. I'm going to try and chill touch him again. Okay, you would catch him right as he's leaving, so I'll go ahead and have you make that at disadvantage. Okay. A 14 plus yep. intelligence, so 16 to hit. Yes, very easily hits. All right, uh, then I do a D8. No, no running from me. Mm. Seven. Seven, that is more than enough to drop him, and the... Uh, other spectral hand grabs him by the back of the neck, and he falls to the ground as your second spectral hand uh, brings him down. Perfect. Everything goes quiet then. Equipment that they have, other than the uh, crossbow bolts and the uh, bolts themselves, he has one jar left of a basic poison, uh, or one flask left of a basic poison, and then the crossbow and bolts. Uh, the guys on the ground have two long swords. The other one has a dagger. Uh, their armor, of course and uh, those patches on the cloaks, but otherwise they are carrying no other identifying markers or baggers or pouches or anything. I'll grab the flask of poison as well as one patch. Okay, you get uh, the patch, of course, and then the uh, basic poison. Cool. And then I'll go meet up with my friend, Colflood. You head back down to the streets and Colflood says, we better get to the ship before anybody else comes. I don't know how many more there will be. I handily agree with them. All right, you guys dash off towards the ship, and you are able to very easily get aboard. After you get aboard, you pay the fee of three gold pieces for Colflud, and you are able to set sail then very shortly. Would you take up position on top or down in the uh, down below the deck, or where would you kind of wait out the journey? Um, I mean, obviously between sleeping and doing all that other kind of stuff, but where would you be spending most of your time? Probably down below looking over my contract and stuff. Okay, yeah, you're very easily able then to spend a majority of your time down there uh, emerging when you need some fresh air and whatnot, but then staying mostly down there. You arrive in Port City uh, on the 15th of planting, the first day of the uh, Seed Sowing Festival. Okay, before we get there, I'm also going to have uh, Coflute sign a contract of good behavior. Okay. Gives a plus one to all saves for the signer until the contract is cancelled, broken, or documents to die. Wow, okay. He is very gracious, grateful for for that boon to him. Perfect. Um, yeah, it takes me a little bit to write it up, but yeah, it seems worthwhile. <laughs> yeah, you would definitely have time. This would not be a short journey by ship. 
Yeah. So more or less, I just every I, I'm I'm sure I'm burning through some of my contracts. They're like my paper. But oh no, I just have to write that one once. Does it just? It's until it's done. Yeah. So the contract will end once I am delivered safely to Port City, and I guess that'll be it. Okay. Yeah. You're very easily able then to get to Port City. Uh, as I said, you arrive on the 15th of planting, um, and uh, it's the first day of the Seed Sowing Festival. Uh, Cole Flood, upon entering the city, would uh, shake your hand very grac- gratefully and say, if you ever need help again, come to the Fires Guild and look me up. I'll shake the hand back and say, a deal's a deal. And uh, knowing that you make contracts and catching that pun, he would roar out with laughter and uh, slap you on the back hard enough that you're going to have to take that step forward to catch your balance <laughs> yeah. as he uh, heads down the streets. Perfect. Um, I guess I'm going to try and... How does one find the Shadow Guild? They you don't. Have... The Shadow Guild finds them. Um... Yeah, you would already have been given uh, kind of a, a... where the entrance into the guild would be. So as you go into Port City, you know that they have um, eight different locations that you can enter in from. There is, uh, within the Temple's district itself, there are one of the god of thieves and lies and that kind of stuff. There would be an entrance there. There would be an entrance underneath the Merchant's Guild section. And then there would be an entrance basically in every main district of the uh, city other than that. I'd probably avoid the Temple one because I don't want to be associated there. Um, and there so would, be, I would just Yeah, there would be one ahead. fairly close to the docks as well in the warehouse area that you're at. I would just go for that one. All right. Yeah, you duck into the first entrance and you're able to follow the fairly well-marked. You just um, keep looking for the strange scratchings on the side of the walls. Um, There's no two of the scratchings really match, but the um, scratchings themselves have significance. So you can tell that some of it's just regular graffiti, but the ones that are marked as the Thieves Guild, you are able to pick out as being too well-placed. And so you're able to follow them through the different winding passages until you get to a very large cistern with a very much think Skyrim with Riften a large cistern in the middle with all sorts of tables and uh, beds and uh, desks and stuff situated around it looks almost as if like some homeless individuals have kind of set up shop here but you can tell that even though they're in not the best clothing that there's an organization to them and a sharp intelligence behind many of their eyes. Uh, I'm assuming you show the symbol that you were given? Yeah. Alright, you show the symbol that you were given and a large lizard folk individual and large isn't very tall, a tall and gangly looking um, uh, not gangly, but a very tall lizard folk individual approaches you taking the symbol from you and says I see that you have already done a job to join us. So, I have one more task for you to do just to prove your worth. I, alright. I guess I don't, I don't really see anything else I can do about it, so I'll just kind of agree. Alright. Before you're able to join the Shadows Guild, we all have a separate identity that we go by in public. Nobody really wants to be associated with the Shadows Guild in public unless they are of standing and influence enough to be able to resist and stand against those that uh, whose prejudice rules their ideals. So you will need to initiate into another guild before you are able to actually join the Shadows Guild. This will act as your cover and will help situate you in a place where you can get information and influence to return to the guild later. 
Alright, I'll happily accept. Judging from the symbol around your neck, we would have suggested the Temple Guild. That one is very difficult for many of our members to infiltrate. If you are willing to do so, we would be more than happy to uh, have you join our ranks. And I kind of chuckle and, like, finger the holy symbol at my neck and be like, yeah, okay. Okay. Uh, so they would set you up with a bunk and a place to set your uh, belongings for now. Um, they say once you are actually a member, they will get you better lodgings, but this will serve as your stay for a day or two until they're able to get a place opened up for you. Is that the Temple Guild? Uh, no, that would be the uh, Shadows Guild. You'll have two places of residence. Uh, you'll be kind of a member of the Temple's Guild, so you'll be able to lodge there as well, but you'll be, you know, you won't gain any kind of perks from the Temple's Guild. Um, the Shadows Guild is your actual membership. All right, so then would you make your way over to the Temple's Guild? Um, yeah, I, oh, before I do, I'm going to pass over the badge um, to the guy I was talking to, the one from the Dragoon, and be like, keep an eye out for these. They're, they seem to be after me. The, uh, the large lizard folk band said, yes, we have some dealings with them. They are a fanatical bunch, but uh, they are willing to purchase some of the more nefarious things that our guild produces. But we will keep an eye on them and make sure you guys don't end up in the same room together. And I'll just kind of give thank you nod, and we've got a deal, and keep going. Okay. <laughs> you get up to the Shadows Guild, or up to the Temple's uh, area, and you notice that uh, taking the above-ground roots to look like a, a normal member of society... And uh, the city is absolutely a bustle with all sorts of things going on, different festival-type activities. This would be the first day of the seed-sowing festival, so kind of the official one with businesses and rituals and and everything along those lines. And so you're able to get to the Temple's Guild itself. Uh, I'm assuming you find uh, one of the Temples of Knowledge? That was the plan, yes. All right, you find one of the Temples to Ogma or... Um, Maybe one just dedicated to learning itself, set up more like a classroom, place of learning as opposed to a temple. Uh, And you are able to very easily find one of the head-ish priests who recognizes your symbol. And just to save a little bit of time, since it's not going to be a super heavy roleplay thing for you, uh, as far as like the actual structure of the Temple's Guild, you are able to be inducted into the guild itself and uh, are situated with a room and a place to uh, kind of take jobs and stuff like that from the Temple's Guild in order to make a little bit of coin. Okay. All right, at that point, at that point, a good share of the day would be used up, but there is still the evening time that you can uh, run around and either return to the Shadows Guild and kind of situate yourself there, or you can um, wander around the town before returning to the Guild itself. Um, I'm going to kind of wander around the town, I think. Alright, as you wander around once again with this festival going on, most of the business would be concluded as far as the uh, trade and whatnot is concerned, but a lot of the rituals and prayers and stuff are still going on. Uh, The Temple's Guild would say, you know, if you're looking to make a little bit of coin, we could offer you a gold piece if you're willing to help pass out some of these pre-written blessings and that kind of thing. But other than that, uh, it's mostly just people running around in more formal attire. I will take that offer. Okay, so you are able to earn one gold piece by spending two hours passing out some of these blessings at uh, one of the Temple's Guild stalls and booths. Hey, um, so one gold piece, you said? Correct, one gold piece for uh, a couple hours worth of work. Perfect, as well. Am I able to maybe pocket one of those? 
without, or not so much pocket, but like have a moment, because as a Dockmaster, I can copy a one sheet text perfectly in a single round. Oh, okay, yeah. I'd say you're able to copy this uh, spell off. You would have to find somebody that knows the spell. I can't. Yeah, it's just the paper. It doesn't apply magical effects to it. Yeah, so you would be able to copy down, uh, roll me a d6. Actually, is it an infused scroll? Uh, no. Well, yes, it's a scroll, but it has to be empowered. So it's like the pre-written text magic just has to be added to it. Okay, because, yeah, I cannot copy... Uh, many Dockmaster scrolls need to be infused as part of the cost, and infused scrolls cannot also cannot be copied. So. Yeah, this would just be the magical formula and words needed for it. So it would just be the spell, but I would let somebody empower it for you um, that can cast the spell normally if you want. Sure. It. I rolled a 19 plus. Uh, I haven't added modifiers. Yep, D6 in order to figure out which one it is. Oh, sorry. No, you're fine. Yep, that one. Uh, two. Two. You are able to find a detect magic kind of thing. So you're able to copy down the text for detect magic. And if you find somebody that has that spell, I will let them empower it for you, and it will be a normal scroll. Perfect. I just thought that might be a wise thing to do while I'm handing these out. Yeah. (laughs) Very good idea. So I'm just going to make a scrolls part of my inventory. Um... All right. You are able to, of course, copy down that scroll without a problem, and then once you find somebody to empower it, you'll be able to use that. So then, uh, is there anything else you would do? It'd be getting pretty late in the evening, 9, 10 o'clock-ish. Um, so out the festival would mostly be done for the day as people are trying to get ready and prepped for an early morning tomorrow with the start of the the festival part of the festival. The fun games, foods, merchants, that kind of thing. Um, probably head back to the Shadow Guild. Alright, you're able to very easily head back to the Shadow Guild. You show off your shiny new um, Temple Guild pendant-type thing that names you as one of the members of the Temple's Guild, and uh, they are able to finish a ceremony then to induct you into the Shadow's Guild proper. So you now have access to all of those guild uh, fun things that you can do uh, with the Shadow's Guild itself. You are officially a quote-unquote member, so you have access to the Guild Hall and all related services, including the safe houses around the city. And basically what that means is that in every district of the uh, city, uh, Port City, and in any other quote-unquote major city, you would already kind of be able to pick out the signs of where a safe house is to evade any kind of pursuers or things like that. That's awesome. That'll be very helpful, I think. Yes. All right. So then it is the uh, 16th of planting then. So it is the next day. The actual fun part of the festival is just starting to begin. Uh, what would you like to do from here? I want to check out the festival, but I'm thinking what Cherno would do. And I have a goal. In my, like, Cherno has a goal. So, do I know what kind of buff you get for making a, <laughs> a fighter also a warlock with a dragon? He would just basically be able to multi-class, I think, is kind of what we figured. So... He would just gain a multi-class with uh, Warlock if he did that. And then as far as your perks, uh, it would be whatever is in the book of packs. I don't remember. I have that part, yeah. Yep. So first thing I'm going to do is maybe go try and find... Uh, uh, what is his name? Cape Lude? Colflude. Colflude um, at the Fighter's Guild. All right, you're able to get to the Fighter's Guild, and by asking around a little bit, you would know that uh, Colflude is currently... 
doing some just practice type drills. Uh, he got his butt handed to him uh, when he finally came back to pay his actual dues to the guild. And so he's a little bit sore. So he's stretching out and, and doing a couple of drills in order to limber back up after receiving a little bit of a beating. So you would find him in one of the training yards. Actually, sorry, um, can I wreck on that? Yeah. Cool. We're, we're going to say I go to the festival. Okay. Because uh, I forgot you've got a whole part here in my book of packs about trying to find someone who's interested. Okay, yeah. Go ahead then. Uh, you get to the festival itself as uh, one of the clergy or whatever with one of the temples. A lot of people would take note of your presence, but not necessarily, you know, oh my gosh, look at that. They would be, you know, more like when, whenever you see a priest walking down the street, not that that's a beginning of a joke, but, you know, whenever you see a holy priest or a holy man or whatever walking down the street, you kind of just notice that they're there. So go ahead and uh, roll your check then to see if you find anybody. Okay, and I believe it is a percentile check. Correct, and this would be a very heavily populated area on the tape. All right. Percentile die. Which ones are not going to betray me today? <laughs> well, we'll see what happens. Oh, uh, no one is interested. That makes sense. They've got other things to do. Yeah, with the festival here and a lot of the people that are running around would be more like families and and that kind of thing because this is more of the fun part of the festival and it's still an early morning. Um, yeah. You would uh, not really be able to find anybody, but you do notice that there are enough people here that it probably on another day wouldn't be too difficult to find somebody. Fair enough. And it looks like I can be down up to three times for each down hit downtime day expended, so I'm going to say that's probably my morning. Correct. That would be your morning. Would you yeah. want to uh, try again uh, in the afternoon or the evening, or do you want to do something else? I want to check out the festival. All right. You are able to walk up and down the streets, and as I used this reference earlier, it is very much an anime cultural festival. You see stalls and booths of all variety and ilk and people of every race and class that you can imagine just in these streets that are very jam-packed and, and you name it, you can find it here. Everything from strange merchants to food, both delicious smelling and disgusting, all within about a block of each other. So uh, that would be kind of the main drag area between the uh, guild hall area and that main road going down to the docks. If you go up towards the main guild type district, um, it diversifies a little bit with the merchant's guild having more of the farming type stuff up there, being more of an official commerce location. Um, you know that the blacksmiths of the Fighters Guild are very, very busy. You know that the druids around the Mages Guild are also very, very busy handing out blessings and spells. Um, the Temple Guild is, of course, doing the exact same thing that they were yesterday. If you were to head down to the dock area, you would see the actual, like, them setting up the large bonfire for the end of the night. Uh, you would see different displays of different farming techniques and equipment and stuff like that. Um, so, kind of where would you like to go? Um... Kind of where, like, the big, the market area. Okay, yeah, that main drag, you walk up and down that main drag, uh, you're able to spend uh, basically about the full afternoon uh, around there. Go ahead and roll for me 3d20, or no, excuse me, uh, 3 percentile die. All right. I happen to have exactly that many, so. Okay. Let's see what happens. All right, the first one is three. Percent. Okay. 65. Okay. And, and 71. Okay. And then uh, because I'm letting everybody get a legendary merchant on this, go ahead and roll me a d20. All right. Um, do you want to pick a color between green, silver, bronze, or green, silver, teal, and white, blue? 
Let's go with teal. Teal. All right. My favorite. That's a two. A two. Oh, this will be fun. Okay. So as you're walking down the street, the first thing that you run into is a a younger half-elf female who appears to be pushing a very small cart. And on this cart, there are drinks of all variety, alcoholic and non-alcoholic, um, just kind of peddling uh, these kind of drinks, probably from one of the local taverns or inns. Uh, and she has a very wide variety of things there. There's also small bar, you know, smaller food type things, rolls and and uh, uh, you know, sweets and that kind of thing on this cart. Uh, and they all look very, very well. I'll grab a sweet. All right, for one copper piece, she would hand you. A large kind of a sweet bread, not necessarily a scone, but something fairly close to that with some sort of, you know, glaze on the top of it. And she would uh, give you a smile and continue on down her way. And as you bite into it, it is very, very flavorful. And you are able to take note of the name of the restaurant type place on the side of it. And you know that it is the the Dancing Leaf is the name. And it looks like since she's a half elder, probably in the uh, Elven District on the other end of town. Okay, that's awesome. All right, the next thing you that catches your eye, there are, of course, all the regular stands, but um, one that also catches your eye fairly quickly uh, appears to be a, a like a temple-type stall, like from the Temple Guild, but not necessarily one of the Temple's guilds. This would probably be just another holy man or religious individual uh, that appears to have some very interesting things on a stand out front, everything from what you picture, you know, very typical druidic focuses, a mix of antlers and and special, you know, le- uh, branches and flowers that, you know, despite being out in the open are not wilted. You see different spell scrolls and strange robes and stabs and stuff sitting out on this table. Since we agreed I don't need to have the weapon to enchant it in the, you know, weapon scripts, um... Nothing for now. Okay. Like, if I need to go try and, like, get into other temple guilds, I might need some of these, but for now, nothing. Okay, he just kind of waves to you, recognizing you as another member of, you know, a holy order of some variety, and uh, you continue on down your way. Uh, as you are walking down, you get just past that religious stall, and you hear some very, very amazing music coming from a stand nearby. You see a, a man sitting cross-legged, uh, on the ground with a dulcimer in front of him. And all around him, there are several different amazing-looking instruments, uh, many mundane, but you notice that some of the other ones appear to have a strange glow or feel about them. Go ahead and roll me an arcana check. Sure. Or religion, either or. Um, I'll find out which one I have to roll. Do I have any uh, exact same, so it doesn't matter. Uh, let's say... Uh, Arcana, and we'll put it at 16. Okay. All right. So you are with your Arcana check, um, you do notice that he does have several instruments that you're pretty sure have some sort of magical effect about them. Two of them appear to be pipes. One of them is like a pan-type flute, you know, the multiple little pipes. The other one appears to be more of a, uh, like a recorder or something along those lines. He also has uh, several instruments that are underneath cases, and the fact that it has a glass pane over this box definitely shows that it is very expensive, but very worth protecting. He also has several strange chimes uh, hanging up that appear to have some sort of effect as well. Um, given that my mother's 
was a performer and did plays and lots of that kind of stuff, I'd be attracted. Is there anything maybe fairly normal for the Fire Isles? Yeah, uh, depending on um, where in the file, Fire Islands, uh, different bells, chimes, and small symbols would be used. Think of it very, I, I don't want to say belly dancer, but kind of along those lines. Those would be fairly common for dancers to use, uh, but also uh, drums and a lot of stringed instruments and those kind of things would be common as well. And I'll he has look at of some of those fin- finger symbols. Okay, yeah. He would have uh, several sets for two gold pieces uh, each, and they are very well made. Not magical, but very well made. I'll, I'll turn over and grab that one. Kind of homesick. Okay, and you grab one that has a kind of a red tail off of it. Like a uh, the string, the braided cord on the symbols is a very fiery red, and it uh, definitely attracts your attention. So you're able to pick those up. Perfect. All right, uh, you wave goodbye to the stall owner after leaving the two gold there in his little box, collection box or whatever that he's got, and he continues his song after giving you a nod. As you walk towards the end where the actual bonfire is going to be right at the edge, let me scroll all the way down here, you see kind of out of, I don't want to say out of nowhere, but you see uh, set up, there is a black obsidian stone-like rectangle. Like, this almost looks like a solid chunk of very dark-colored stone. It's a matte color as opposed to kind of the shiny obsidian, but uh, a very hefty chunk of stone that could not have just been brought in. Uh, and all sorts of strange runes and glyphs is on it, is, uh, appears on it. And as you look at it, you can kind of see almost like a mirror, like a black-colored mirror. Uh, all sorts of different items appear to be reflected back within this this very large stone here. And sitting in front of this stone appears to be a half-orc man. Uh, You see he's got tusks or whatever sticking out, but uh, not a full orc. And he is wearing robes of deep, deep purple. Almost a black-colored purple. Okay, so I have Underchild and Gravesights. Do either of those play or uh, Death Speech? Uh, No, he would not be dead, but he is definitely otherworldly. Um, you would not picture him as being a a native to this area. Okay. And any of those symbols probably aren't uh, primordial or draconic or celestial? You would notice that there are symbols of those, but they appear to be written in such a way that they are a spell of some variety. Uh, okay. So you would recognize that this is all a combination of different languages and glyphs, all spelling out some sort of very complex spell or ritual. I'd be very interested, so I guess I I would go talk to him. All right. As you approach, he kind of looks you up and down and says, I'm afraid I do not have anything that would be within your price range necessarily, but the fact that you have approached me and even seen me here says that you do have the potential to someday barter with me in my wares. I would be more than happy to leave you with a calling card to return to me at some point. Tell me, what affinity do you have within you? I sense something beyond the mortal understanding. I don't... I don't even know. I just... Yeah, I just feel like Tarot doesn't actually fully understand it, does he? Not necessarily. You would know enough of your father to know that there's something not quite mortal about you, but um, probably not you know, a true understanding of what's going on. Uh, 
I'll just say, I'm, I am born from a few races, not of the mortal plane. He would wave his hand over the top of this uh, altar-like thing, this very large stone, and reflected back. You see several potion vials reflected back that have all sorts of different strange uh, liquids and gases within them, all undulating strangely. You see a gem, uh, gemstone that looks like an eye. Uh, that it, as soon as you like turn your head to look at another item, you think you see it blink, but when you look back, it, it looks exactly like it did. And you see a flask, uh, an iron flask, that appears to have a small trail of smoke from underneath a uh, like a very uh, when you, you know anime like the seals, you know, over like the taped paper seal over the top, kind of this this strange smoke filtering out from underneath of it. He says. All of these items could someday come into your possession, should we meet again. And, uh, my eyes, I've definitely been be attracted to, like, the smoky bottle, and I will just kind of nod, I guess. Okay, he would say, I can tell your blood is calling to this one, and he would, uh, pick up a small chunk of stone, but it is a very smooth, not necessarily a marble, like, circular, more ovuloid, more, um, uh, shaped a little bit, and he would flick it to you, and he would say, upon wanting to do business with me, break this chip and I shall come to you, but this will be the only time I give you one of these. Make sure you do have the coin necessary in order to do business. And what kind of coin should I be looking for? He chuckles and he says, if you have to ask, you don't, you are not able to afford it. Okay, I'll just kind of nod. Partially confused, but... A lot of the magic items you would know increase by 10 times. So a normal common type magic item would be around 500 gold. And then, you know, uncommon items would be around 5,000. And rare would be um, 50,000. And very rare would be 500,000. You know, that kind of a thing. So it would be a very expensive trade. Okay. And that flask that you were looking at is probably on the very high end of that scale. So aim for 50k plus gold before calling. Correct, yes. <laughs> Or one hell of a favor or or item in trade. Oh, he trades in favors, does he? Not necessarily what you're offering, but it would be more along the lines of, should you end up in the debt of, or should yeah. you end up with a favor from a very powerful being, you could possibly trade that. Okay. And uh, he would, uh, after you catch that little chip, he would, uh, and he answers your question, he would wave his hand across the top of the altar and it would disappear along with him. Okay. All right, so then do you head down to the festival area? you getting close to evening time? Uh, probably, yeah. All right, you get down to the uh, festival area, and you overhear a lot of the conversations about people saying, oh, it's the last day of the festival. Tomorrow we have to get back to work. I hear the portal's doing some strange things, and, and the job boards are overflowing because the last two days nobody's wanted to do anything, and all of these different kind of notes. And uh, after, you know, about a half an hour, 45 minutes... They uh, actually light the bonfire, and it is a very impressive sight to see uh, as they begin to slowly close the festival down with cheering and ale flowing and wine being poured and and songs being sung, and it is a very festive occasion. Would I be able to do another check for the anyone who'd be interested in a contract or a pack? Yeah, go ahead. Um, no, that's for sign on my again. Yeah. Yes. Be good to me this time. Mm. Oh, 96. Okay. What is that effect? I don't have it in front of me. 
two interested people. All right. Oh, sorry, no, one interested people. Okay. Person. All right, you uh, notice that there is a very wide-eyed-looking, I don't want to say, like, youngin' youngin', but he's definitely on the new edge of being an adventure, and uh, you see that he is, you know, doing some sort of, like, good luck superstition kind of a thing. He's got his uh, sword kind of clapped between his hands, and he's, like, you know, clapping his hands and, like, rubbing them together and doing some sort of, like, strange you know, the superstitious kind of a thing for good luck or something along those lines. And you notice that he is doing this very, very fervently, and after a couple of minutes, he claps his hands again and starts rubbing them again and doing some sort of thing. Would you approach him? Uh, I want to be smooth about it. So I'd wait until he's kind of seems to be done and or looking around. Okay, after he continues this a little bit, he kind of holds up his blade, and, and he's kind of watching the reflection of the light Uh, in the blade, and then he notices kind of your blue glow behind him, and he turns around with a little bit of a start and says, Are you one of the fire spirits? I've been calling to them this this whole time. Um. (laughs) I'm going to be such a bad person. (laughs) Uh. Can I cast uh, Produce Flame? Yeah, go for it. It's a cantrip. It is. So I'm going to cast Produce Flame. Uh. I'm not going to use it to attack, so it's just going to produce a dim light, and as per who I am, it's going to be, of course, flavored, like, blue flame. Okay. And I'm going to, like, have it light up across the sword. Okay, yes, it does light up across the sword. He says, I knew it! Yes, I, 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 I have been wishing for power this whole time. I've been doing everything that the book said I need to do to summon a, a spirit of, of flame, of power, because, you know, only the strongest of flames can, can burn through any armor, can can cut through anything. And he, he kind of goes on, on this ramble about uh, greater fire spirits and dragons and, and demons and, and the ever-purifying flame and so on and so forth. So uh, I'll just be like, well, I I have some friends that can give you the powers of fire. I, I know some people, and I know dragons who can give you the ability to breathe fire, just like a dragon. Okay. Well, he's like, yes, that that's exactly what I want. Here. Uh, and he kind of cuts his palm, and he's like, I'll sign the deal. Ah. Nice child. <laughs> yeah, he's very, very naive, very, very desperate for I see that. So I'll, I'll kind of, like, grab his hand, kind of wrap it, like, quickly, and just kind of pull him over. It's like, let, let's talk. My my friends, they, they only deal with the most devout and the most, the most willing. Oh, my soul! Yes, my soul, that's fine. Who, who needs that? <laughs> All right. So, um, I guess, so you have a few options. We can, I can... Introduce you to the Fire Lord himself. Emix or Imix? Uh, either one. So uh, I'll, I'll go with Emix, the Fire Lord himself. And I have met and spoke with Valagos, the great ancient red dragon that resides over the Fire Isles. In fact, I just came from there now. <gasps> oh, yes, the great ancient dragons for sure. That is exactly what I need. Dragon fire, yes, like one of the old dragon knights. So I can make you a couple of deals. You can either have the power to breathe his flame breath. I think I don't even it doesn't tell me how many times a day, I but it just gives him the effect. Once per long rest, I think, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. it just doesn't say. So it just says, "Oh, active effect 
costs two points. Okay, so I don't have. Oh. Oh, though, those are the powers that you can use. I was thinking of the actual oh. pact. But yes, no, he would. He would. <gasps> oh, yes, being able to breathe flames upon my sword and strike with the hot steel. Yes, that's exactly what I want. Or, or you can oh. become a warlock of them. <gasps> oh yes, one of the servants directly. Yes, exactly. That that is what I need. The power of the dragon to give it given to me directly. Yes, exactly. All right. So, uh huh. I I will need an hour of your time, but we can we can do it. Okay. Yes, he follows your instructions over the course of that hour, and uh, you can sense that that he is is some of his power. You can sense that he's having some sort of conversation with this dragon in his head. And uh, after the contract is sealed, he uh, shakes his head and says, I, I need to hurry to the Fire Isles immediately. Thank you for your help. It, it was a, a favor to me as well. Thank you. All your right. name. Yes, and you gain that point in your book of packs. What is the kid's name? Oh, the kid's name is... Let me randomly figure it out here. His name is... Ooh, I like this one. Uh, it's very... Wow. His Arthas... Of course it is. (laughs) I know, right? Foreshadowing to come. Uh, Oh, yeah. No kidding. After that contract is done, the fires and the coals of the bonfire are starting to simmer out, and everybody begins departing. Do you then head back to the guild? Yep. All right. You head back to the guild after having expended the use of your book of packs to seal that deal. You are mentally exhausted from that effort of communing and, uh, you know, channeling that power and you collapse into a very satisfied sleep, and we will end from here, and you will be able to join in in a group game adventure next time we get together. Sounds amazing. Thank you. Yep. Thank you very much, Rhino. This was a ton of fun. Oh, poor Arthas. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. All right. I'll talk to you later. Sounds good. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this introduction of The Chaos Plan. We hope you really enjoyed it. Uh, I know this is a ton of fun for us here, and we are open to bringing in absolutely anybody that wants to. Just join our Patreon account, and we promise that you will be a part of the Chaos Plan game. You will get an intro mission like this, and then at least one group mission, and when scheduling works out with everybody, we can get multiple groups going, as this isn't going to be one continual storyline. This is going to be a series of one-shots that all meld together into an overarching idea and campaign. So if this is something that interests you, if there's a homebrew you really want to play, if there's a class, a race, something that really resonates with you that you think would be a lot of fun to bring here, we encourage you to join the Patreon, put it up, and we will make it happen. Uh, You will also get a custom magic item that will grow with you throughout the campaign, and you can help use that item to shape the adventure in what you do. So if this is something that you feel interests you, please join our Patreon account, and we would be more than happy to get you on the show here. To do that, go to patreon.com slash adventuringguild, and I hope to see you there.